Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. On today's show, I'm joined by my new co-host, Jerm, and we pull back the curtain on the emasculation of Black men in Hollywood and much, much more. And yes, audience, I know y'all was probably thinking like, Press probably ain't coming back with this show. I told y'all we was coming back, and I'm coming back with my boy, Jerm, Jay, my cuz. What up, man? Get in here and talk to him, son. What's the word, Press? Shout out to you, man. Thanks for having me on your platform. What's going on, audience? You know, like my cousin said, we're going to be pulling back the curtain on the emasculation of Black men in Hollywood today. You know, there's not a lot of truth being spoken into the media today, so we hope to be able to bring that 100% authenticity the only way that we know how to. So I look forward to, you know, work, moving forward with Prez and your opinions are on what we talk about. I look forward to it. And the audience, they know, man, this this show is near and dear to me. I mean, Jay, I, I I put this thing together, man, when Grand passed, and I dedicated this show to her memory. So you already know how I'm rocking with this thing, and I couldn't think of a better person like to come after Jules to to come in here and really, man, you give this show the justice that it deserves, right? You know, I started this thing with Jules and Novak in the beginning, and hey, man, those are my brothers, man. And we did this show for three years, bro. But man, I had to turn the family with this, man, because if I say that I'm dedicating this to my grandma, hey. I got to have family here to bring this thing home. And, and you guys heard how he's coming. So, uh, bro, I'm, I'm excited to have you on this show because he got the Justin Fields jersey on over here, man. He making me feel happy already because I'm like, I'm so sick of the bullshit that's going on right here with people trying to chase Justin out of this town. We're so used to not having this, any stability in the city when it comes to this quarterback position, man, over this last you know <laughs> decade or 12-year period that I think Chicagoans are just so... You know, you know, let's just get it get it over with. Get to the next one, and you know, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that the next one is the best one. So I think with the things that we've seen with Justin over the year or over the last few years, honestly, and you know, the building blocks he has, if we continue to put weapons around him, why not put our faith in him? But yeah, Chicago's getting on my nerves with this shit, man. It's it's ridiculous, <laughs> and it's I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to keep up with the the conspiracies and the reasonings. And don't get me wrong, there I think there's plenty of reasonings to draft all types of ways. But there, I can't look up for a solid one to get rid of Justin. So hopefully no, the front man. office does their job. I'm hoping so too, bro. And there's so much you can get for that number one pick, as you know, an audience. Right now, Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, I wouldn't want his job. I'll tell you that much. But, hey, that's why he's paid the big bucks. Go out there and do the right thing. And to me, the right thing is not trading away from Justin Fields. Now, I know some people, Jer, they'll say, oh, shit, man, Caleb Williams, he's a generational talent, which, hey, I've scouted him. He's a bad brother. However, man. So is Justin Fields. And I always tell people, low-key, Justin Fields, his game reminds me of Lamar Jackson. I don't want people killing me. I ain't saying he is Lamar. I'm saying he's got some Lamar to his skill set. And when I saw Lamar Jackson out there carving up the Houston Texas J, I'm like, why can't we have Justin out there doing that? Like, let him loose. He has Lamar-like attributes with a bigger arm. We can't right. – he can sling the rock. You know what I'm saying? That That's just something that – that can't be taught. And and Lamar's had a system that he's been able to um, have complete control over. And I think that kind of gives him more confidence. A lot of what we see with Justin, even in his 
his struggles to make the decisions that are necessary is just an overall right. lack of trust. And, you know, that comes from the fans, from the front office, all types of things. So I think the more faith we put in him, the more confidence he can have in himself to make the necessary plays. And everybody keeps saying it. Like, look at Detroit right now. You know what I'm saying? We, mm-hmm. The way we ended this year it was very similar to the way Detroit ended their year last year. And now they're on the brink of the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying we are Super Bowl bound by any means, but I'm also not saying that it's time to get rid of this guy. Like, because the same rumblings of the generational talent that um, we we gave or we give Caleb Williams were the same things that I heard about Justin Fields. So, you know, why give up on yeah, what to was a degree. considered yep. to be right. a generational talent? No, you're right about that, Jerry, because when, when Justin came out, we, we fell in love with the, the, like you talked about his arm, right? And his deep ball accuracy, psh, come on now. <laughs> so you're right. And the Bears traded up for him for a reason at that time, right? That regime, they were trying to save their asses, right? And they thought Justin Fields was that guy in that draft. And when you look back at that draft, okay, Lawrence, he's all right. But Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, none of these guys have really done anything in the league. And I look at Justin and I'm like, Justin hasn't been given the opportunity, in my opinion, to show what he can do best. You got to look at Matt Nagy was his offensive coordinator slash head coach the first year around. Come on. You guys already know how that goes. I'm not going to get into that part. But Luke Getze, most recently. Because, come on, man. Luke Getze. That don't even sound like somebody that I can believe in. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not a coach in the league for sure. So it's going to be real important, man, for these these candidates that they're bringing in here. They got about 10 candidates right now that they're looking at. They got to get it right, bro. Even if it's not just, even if they decide, Jay, to go in here and, and draft a quarterback, well, y'all about to get it right because you ain't going to have too many more opportunities to keep hiring offensive coordinators, especially for Matt Eberflus. This is his last shot, bro. A lot of jobs on the line right now, like you said. It's, it's pressure that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, so – Hopefully they they do what's necessary to make the right decision and like you say execute at the end of the day because that is is necessary right now. No, it really is. Obviously, you're new to the show here, and and, and I gotta correct you on something you said. You said my platform, brother. You family. Anything I got is yours. This is our platform. I want you to get comfortable being here, man, because you already sounded good on this microphone, baby. It's our shit. So. I want you to have that in your mindset, man, when you're on here on this show. But I want to ask you, do you ever do any sort of New Year's resolution? I know sometimes people, when the, when the New Year strikes, it's almost like a reset for people. What do you do when it comes to that? Or do you not do anything at all? You talking about the New Year, New Me clause that everybody got? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I have an interesting concept on time because and I, I'm not a true like believer in what we consider or what is the universal concept of time so I try not to buy in honestly we, we look at time as like structured increments or a certain system that allows us to do certain things at certain moments yep. and you know I'm, I, I don't believe in that um at the end of the day I think that when we constrain ourselves to those limits that you know there are things that can stop us from being able to gain certain information, certain knowledge. Uh, for me, I'm a real big trader and I trade, you know, currency markets or just the open markets in general across other countries. And so just for me, when, you know, the the U.S. is asleep at the wee hours of two, three in the morning on the other side of the globe, 
they're wide awake and moving. So like the mm -hmm. fact that we can Talk be in the same space experiencing two different, you know, ideas of what the day is or what that that period of increment of measurement is is what makes me just like not really big in time. But you got but you got deep on something and I'm like, dude, I agree with you a hundred percent because there's people while we're resting on our laurels to say they out here getting it is what I got yeah. from that. <laughs> and I want people For to sure. kind of listen to what he was saying. You know what I'm saying? He was saying it, but y'all weren't listening. So, bro, that's <laughs> for sure, for sure, cousin. You caught it, man. Like you said, uh, while while we rest, others work, and you know, and and that's not to say that we don't need rest, but at the end of the day, um, there there's no there is no limit to what we can do with all the given time, space, and opportunity that we have within within our 24. And I try to make the most of it. You know, I'm not perfect by any means and like with that i've tried to make it a uh an annual or a, a just a, a everyday thing of where i'm trying to work and improve on the the goals that i have set for myself so that when you know december 31st january 1st rolls around i'm kind of already in a in a momentum built you know lead as everybody is preparing themselves for the new year quote unquote i've already been pushing and working and getting started on it um, but this year I did do something a little differently. I did after January 1st, write down the things that I wanted to focus on for the upcoming calendar year. And for me, that's been one big thing. You know, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of passions or whatever, and they kind of lead me down different roads, but being able to have something like concrete that's written. And I, when I say written, I'm not talking about, I typed it on my laptop or anything like that. Like I went in got a notebook that I couldn't even, you know, I didn't even know I still had notebooks, honestly, found a notebook <laughs> in my closet, uh, got a pen and, you know, put pen to paper to the things that I, I'm really looking forward to, to, you know, improve on myself, improve on my business, improve on my spiritual, mental, all that stuff. So I didn't do a new year's resolution per se, but I did do kind of a new year uh, adjustment, if you will, on how I, how I uh, track and how I go for it. And I, I'm hoping to be able to come back to what I wrote down a few weeks ago, later on in the year to see if I'm on par, you know, I gave myself certain deadlines and wanting to do things by a certain time, you know what I'm saying? And they say, if you want to tell God a joke, give him a plan, but I do need some kind of a roadmap, if you will, to how you plan on attacking the things that you have on your, uh, on your plate. I see, bro, you, you just gave them so much right there. And I, I want to just kind of just like, break just a couple things down that I thought was powerful just in that little snapshot. And I think in a future episode, I would love for you to, you know, expound a little bit more into just like what went into that plan. It sounds like the system that you have in place is something that is sustainable. And I think that's my biggest problem with anyone that makes New Year's resolutions. I'm not trying to hate on y'all, but y'all try to go ahead and get in the gym on January 1st and then you out the gym by January 4th. A lot of times <laughs> y'all doing shit that ain't, <laughs> it ain't you, you know, like mm -hmm. be you. You got to know yourself. Um, there's so many people that will come to me. They're like, oh, man, I just got out of this relationship, man. I'm about to do this. I'm going to work on myself and do this. And they doing the same shit, Jay, that they was doing in December. So I think for me, I'm like kind of similar to you. I don't make New Year's resolutions. I have a quarterly assessment of myself. And I think that that is more applicable because you can hold yourself accountable, right? Because if you put something in, in plan and say, okay, this quarter – this is what I'm going to do to start the new year off. When you get to Q2 and you haven't checked off any of those milestones, 
then it's like, well, shit, what I've been doing? Exactly. It's, it's, a, a, it's accountability, cuz. It's, it's accountability, accountability for sure. Yep. It's, it's accountability versus some, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to have a dry January. No disrespect to anybody that's doing them things. But trust me, I've seen a lot of people try to do that stuff and they end the bar in the middle of the month. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And man, you, you hit some nails on the head too. And it, like you said, this we could do a whole episode just on the goals, but you you hit the the quarterly goals. And like when you when you have overarching goals and you break it down to smaller increments, it makes it more, more achievable. It's not as, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, far reaching. It's not as burdensome is not you know you're not overloading yourself necessarily right. you're making it you're you're making it plausible like you said jay i get so many people you know covering teams and i see guys in the press box and this one guy he drinks pop all the time now i'm looking at him and he over here drinking power like me so i'm like yeah i'm trying to be like you press and i'm sitting up here looking at him like, yeah i guess i guess <laughs> you're out here sending standing man you got folks yeah, looking I'm, up to you you ain't even know yeah. listen man I, I try to be a role model of this elder generation you know what i'm saying jay i'm not trying to buy into it yet because i'm not them you know i know we i'm getting closer to see, see jay he's in a little bit of a different situation here man he's with the younger generation man I'm out here, man. I'm looking at Twilight, and I'm like, I'm trying to fucking run from it as much as I can. So I'm in denial, bro. I'm like, fuck. Your Twilight is crazy, though, because you have your age demographic being affected with, like, social media and social stigmas the same Mm -hmm. way mine is, you know? So it's like, even with that, I'm sure you have a a real intricate kind of pool of just what you see on a day-to-day from folks in your demographic and everybody need guidance man ain't nobody too old to be led somewhere <laughs> bro, i talk to my therapist about that stuff all the time and, and that's the thing yeah. you and i was even talking about this pre-show about how none of us in this world should ever be in a position man where we can't take feedback or we can't humble ourselves to listen to anybody else because i'm telling you there's always somebody that i can look at and be like hey man i can take something from that person you know what i mean for sure no for sure for sure and every since I i've even known audience and i'll tell you every since i've even known jay from like our conversations, I mean, you can even tell just from this conversation, dude, this is how we are. This this ain't got to do about a podcast. If he was over here at the crib right now, we'll be over at the crib for two hours, like, sipping on something, sipping on something dark and it's getting Nice, you know, and chopping it you know up. Exactly. And just chopping exactly. it up. And, and that's what we're going to bring to this show. And I think that that's what this show deserves. Now, there's so much I want to talk to this dude about, man, because I have not had a chance to even chop it up with you in a minute, bro. So It's been a while. First of all, yeah. It has been a while, so we're going to do something about that here. First of all, I just have to just kind of get your thoughts on these NFL playoffs, man. Like, now, obviously, which with us here in Chicago, we had nothing going on. And you talked about Detroit. Never in my wildest dreams, man, that I think the Detroit Lions would be playing the way that they're playing right now, bro. It's insane. At least for me to witness it. I didn't think it'd be in my lifetime. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I heard I heard about the great, great Barry Sanders. I never got to see Barry, you know, and I, I've never yeah, seen it. So nice. I saw and I, but I've never seen the Lions organization in such a winning mode. And it, and it's crazy for me because because you know, I got a lot of people that I got love for in Detroit. Shout out to the D. And I've never I didn't know how much pride the city had in their sports teams the way they do, man. Like they're mm-hmm. really, and it's, it's their year. You know, Michigan just got their big um, national championship a couple of weeks ago and yep. Detroit's trying to keep it, keep the rally going, you know? So shout out to them. But yeah, ne- never, never, ever 
would I have assumed that the Detroit Lions would be in the NFC Championship this year? No, it's uh, crazy. And I'm actually and, – and on my other platform that I do with Dub, Detroit Lions fans have been for years just coming for me, man, because I just make all kind of fucked up remarks about the Lions. I call them robots also because <laughs> I say that whenever you're sick, just play the Lions and it'll make you feel better. They have been oh, jamming – Yeah. <laughs> you know me, I talk shit for days. But, dude, they have been ramming that quote, quote down my throat like all year. And I'm just like, you know what? I can, I can handle it because I was sitting up here making jokes on y'all for years. So now the joke is on me. Fine. Whatever. That's why I'm over here looking at Ryan Pose. I'm like, you better do something, man, where I get these damn Lions fans off my ass, bro. Man, seriously, <laughs> seriously. But the playoffs have been interesting, man. You got that. Lamar actually tearing it up. Still Kansas City. And, 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 and I did not want them to win. I, I'm sorry, Jared, but uh, i become a little bit of a hater with this Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey situation. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. And uh, I used to love the Chiefs. But now you got Matt Nagy there, who's public enemy number one for me. And then now you got yeah. this situation where every time something happens on the field for the Chiefs, we got to show Taylor Swift in the damn press box. I'm over it. It's I, crazy. I just it's crazy, crazy press how much attention they're drawing to this woman. Um, and it's crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm very opinionated audience in case you didn't know why I ended up on this show. But I had opinions <laughs> circling around the initial you know interactions when we were seeing that they were in a relationship and all the publicity the nfl was you know pouring into it it's been a while i would love to think that they're in a nice genuine wholehearted uh you know happy relationship all that but i'm sick of seeing her face and then when we what was she doing swag surfing two weeks ago whatever surfing. that was called yeah. uh, i don't know what that was, I, if, was if that's how you swag surf. <laughs> man is, is that how you swag surf because i'm like whatever that was i'm like stop doing that shit that's the country version of the swag, sir. <laughs> I don't, but they, um, they, they're getting a lot of money, you know, from yeah, viewers are. who, and, and, and when we look at Taylor Swift, we look at somebody who just, I think she just went on tour in 2023 for a album that she had released some, seven eight odd years ago you know what i'm saying like the the yeah. the yep. cult like following that she has is insane and so i know the nfl is doing nothing but trying to profit off of the new attention from fans that they probably would have never garnered attention from before but it's been completely blown out of proportion somebody had mentioned what if they got her a ring if kansas get out of get her a ring nonsense i'm like get her, her, a get her a ring what she get what she deserve a ring for the fuck out of here Come on. And then you know what another part two just bothered me with this whole situation? is now Brittany Mahomes. Now she being super extra now because of all the attention to Taylor gets. Yeah, and oh man, don't, come on guys. I'm not trying to turn this into a, a I don't want to get my opinions on what women do when the women around them start to get attention or it's not on them. But yeah, it, I think that Taylor Swift has a lot of uh, attention being driven to NFL players' girlfriends. I, I wonder because do you remember what was going on um a couple of months ago with Simone Biles and um oh, who's her boyfriend from Green Bay? Uh, I can't Owens, think of it. Plays for the Packers. Jonathan Owens. I wonder if we would have even had the whole argument podcast, whatever that was, if Taylor Swift wasn't getting all this attention right now as a player's girlfriend. So, you know, just a, a lot of stuff taken away from the game, and you know, everybody's trying to get their media on and draw user eyeballs to the screen, but uh. It's uh it's annoying. It's got nothing to do with football.
Yeah, super annoying. And I know some people that's gonna listen to this thing and be like, Prez, Taylor's not asking for all that. I know she's not, but the simple fact of the matter is that this whole thing is just taken away from me, at least the game. Because for me, I just all I care about is the product on the field. Now, these same people that didn't want people taking the knee because they said we're making the game political. You guys are you're taking the game and, and making it something that it's not. Okay. Well, then how come these same people ain't talking about this nonsense? This is a sideshow, in my opinion. And you brought up some old Miles. Like, you talk about dedication and play the, in a sport and yeah. one for this country. I don't see the same fanfare for her that people have brought up, right? She goes to the game to support her husband, but she's not making it up by herself. Now, husband, and I misspoke. I misspoke, Prez. It is her husband. That's not her boyfriend. That's her husband. Yeah, it's her husband. So, mm-hmm. like, that, that's completely different. You know what I'm saying? That, and Brittany Mo, husband, wife, like, this is a a girlfriend who Travis Kelsey gets attention for his girlfriends. But, you know, Travis Kelsey was getting attention from black women in the media when he had a black girlfriend. Um, right. So it's not as if Taylor Swift could not be gone, you know, a month from now or whatever the case may be. And I'm not wishing that on them by any means. I'm just saying that, like, we're, we are acting as if this is a cornerstone relationship and we've not seen it for more than, what, eight months? If that, yeah, it's still do. It's still a couple. Yeah, it's still do. Y'all get to a couple years, then come talk to me. Man, you didn't even see <laughs> Travis didn't even see her crazy yet. Come on now, uh, uh-uh. uh, it's still fresh days for sure. Literally, bro, they and they should go to the face. studio and write a song over them at all. At all, man, in the honeymoon. Yeah, bro, they still in that honeymoon phase, and that's that's funny as hell. What you just said, Jay? You said because you know she'll <laughs> write a song when they should when they break up. <laughs> Real quick, it have all of America against that man. I ain't oh tell us she got power. I ain't playing with you her. You do got power. I, I ain't gonna hold you, man. When, when she came to Chicago, I sat up here and saw this woman sell out a stadium for an entire weekend. That's what I was like. Damn, her fan base is crazy. And she hasn't released anything. Like, if you put it on comparison to what Beyonce did in her, her last tour, shout out to Beyonce for the numbers that she did, but that was off of an album. You know what I'm saying? The the, the right. she did that tour off of an album she just just released. Taylor Swift did a tour off of an album that she re-released. Yep. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's levels. It's a lot of levels to this. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, see, people they don't even want to know the truth. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to know the truth. They just they it's all cute and it's all fun and shit. Like over here, everybody's like, oh, look at him. He's giving her hearts from the field and all this shit. And you know me, Jerry. I'm watching the game and I'm over here got instant fucking heat and beef and shit. I'm like, come on now. What y'all doing? I like dudes out here on the field trying to what take are we your talking about right now? What are we doing? What are we talking about? <laughs> what are we doing? Well, listen, hey, before we get into any more nuts and bolts of this show, Jerry, we got some listening letters to get into. I know audience, we are behind, but you know, it's the holidays and you know, Jules and I, we had to figure out how we was on transition this show, but listen, never fear. Cause now me and your boy Jay are here, and we go, we gonna hook y'all up with some, some, some advice for all your woes. So Jay, you got the first letter. All right, audience, we got our first listener letter coming from Ronnie. Ronnie wrote in, "My boyfriend is an extremely compassionate and supportive person. We have been together for a year and a half. When we first met, we hung out a few times. When I told him my feelings toward him, he responded that he was in an open relationship. So I backed away." Months later, we met up again. I helped him with the real estate project, and he said she he was done with the open relationship stuff and wanted a monogamous relationship. I agreed. 
We have a caring, supportive relationship that means the world to me. Multiple ex-girlfriends call him and want to hang out, and he seems to want that too. What bothers me is worrying that ex's intentions may not be good, yet he feeds into it and tells me I need to trust him. Mm. I struggle with jealousy, anger, distrust. And when this happens, I have shared those feelings with him, but he can't let those folks move on. He says I'm stealing his freedom and controlling him by asking him to ignore them. This is the biggest problem in our relationship, but everything else is great. Are my emotions wrong? What you think about Oof. that, Press? Are, are are Ronnie's emotions invalid? Is she not being fair to herself in her worth and everything that she wants? Or is Oof. her boyfriend um is he moving in a way that any man would in a monogamous relationship? So you know what, Jay? I was gonna tell you this, Ronnie. You knew who he was when you decided to get a relationship with this cat. Right. Talk about that's it. That's why you, you know what I'm saying? That's why you that's why you fell back in the beginning, right? She said, Jay, that he was in an open relationship and she backed away. Your first initial reaction was, I like this guy, but he's got too much shit going on. But then down the road, now he's telling you, Oh, all that shit's in my past. Now I want to be with you. Come on now. Those girls <laughs> never left. <laughs> they have oh. always been there. He had you now on his site. He was like, well, I got to get this girl now. Now he got you. But he can't let go of the other ones, right? I will always get on this show and keep it 100% with y'all. So what I'm going to tell you is, is that this man is keeping these exes, like how people keep boxes in the garage, right? You have this shit in the garage that you know. Why don't I just throw this shit out? But you can't let go of it. That's it. You never know when you might need it. You You never never know. know. You never know. And that's what this man's doing. He's got that emergency. You never know what's going to happen with Ronnie. And I know that's probably not what you want to hear, Ronnie. But that's just me keeping it all the way funky with you. So I don't think that you're wrong. But I also think that you kind of put yourself in this situation. And I don't know what type of conversation you guys had around, you know, making making sure things would be exclusive. I don't know what type of conversations Jay they had as far as where trust is concerned and, and making sure that she was over here looking like a goofy. Right? I think she feels like a goofy press. I don't even know if she necessarily looks like a goofy because at the end of the you day, don't think so? we don't know what the ex, we don't know what her boyfriend is doing. I think you hit a nail on the head when you said that she knew what this was when she signed up. She knew that clearly mm-hmm. she was interested enough in him and he was open and honest with her. And let me circle back to this. When when every when they first encountered each other, whatever, he told her about his open mm-hmm. relationship status. He didn't try to lie from what at least what right. we've been told by Ronnie. He didn't try to lie and you know coerce her or make it seem like she was the only one. He let her know well what it what it was. They rekindled and he said that he was no longer in that light. So at that point, if you know you're moving in a trusting relationship, I think that you would have to trust his word until you have further reasoning not to to be jealous by the attention that he gets knowing that you know he gets attention that's not really being fair to him or or to yourself it's never i don't want to dis i'm not saying that to discredit your emotion i just don't think that you are i don't know if your distrust and anger is necessarily justified because he hasn't necessarily like i said from what you told us done anything 
to garner your distrust. And you know another thing too, Jay, while you were kind of talking through that, it also seems like Ronnie also suffers from some trust issues anyway, right? So you never know what his actions are doing to trigger some of her past trauma, right? So that's something that I want to just kind of keep to the forefront here. So Ronnie, when I'm talking to you, I haven't forgotten about what you mentioned here in the letter about that part. But what I think is, I think that this situation has just always been unfair to you, even from the get-go. You tried to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but why does he need to hang on to these relationships with these people? Why are they so important to him? I think those are the things that you need to find out from him. Because as I mentioned, I gave that analogy with those boxes in the garage. I'm thinking about two boxes I got in the garage right now that I could probably throw out, but I won't let them go. Sometimes <laughs> us men, we have irrational needs, and I'm just telling you, he has a need that he can't let go of those relationships. Why is that? Are you not enough for him that he needs to seek energy from these exes? Like, what's what's the need for that? Dude, maybe the exes pump the ego. You know, every every See, everybody, that, man or woman, see. likes to be wanted. You know what also, I'm saying? And it, everybody likes attention, especially positive attention. Um, and which is why I don't know, Perez. We gotta. It, it's tough, right? Because at the end of the day. Can a man have all of those things and still be, you know what I'm saying, faithful to his partner? Can he get attention from women? Can he stay in contact with exes? Because a lot of the women in my life have been, you know what I'm saying, positive in a relational manner on a, you know, we're, we can be friends. We'll help each other career wise. Um or even he's a hundred percent on that. You have definitely been a model of that. I've never been able to do that successfully, but you have. Yeah. So it's like I think everything does kind of depend on the person that you're dealing with, and what I think we keep saying, Prez, you knew who you were dealing with when you mm-hmm. jumped back in. You 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 had an, a general idea, and so everything after that is you're making a choice, and through you making choices. I don't, you know, and, and Prez just hit something when he said that uh, you mentioned in the letter that you have your own distrust issues. So, like, that could be getting projected into the situation. There are all types mm-hmm. of, there's, there's a mix of things that could be, you know, put into your situation right now, Ronnie. But definitely, it, when you feel like, a, if, if it feels like it's not serving you, then I think those are the things that you got to ask yourself. And if it's not 100% what you want, then it probably isn't serving you. Mm-hmm. I got nothing else for that one. Oh, that was fire. What we got next? So next we have Shannon. Shannon writes, my boss, who recently separated from her husband and is getting divorced, has moved within walking distance of the office. The problem is she can't drive and her daughter needs to be taken to and from school. I offered to help her out with her daughter, but now she's asking me to take her everywhere she needs to go. I have been accommodating and have done this for a couple of weeks but she has never offered me any money toward gas for my Ooh. car, though she's always bragging about all the things she has ordered off of Amazon. Oh, no. <laughs> I never offered to be her chauffeur. I work third shift, which is hard Ooh. enough, and have my own child to take care of during the day. How can I tell her it's got to stop without hurting her feelings? I am getting close to losing control and telling her off. Everyone I know is advising me to stop. It feels that she is using me. Huh. Talk talk to Shannon, Prez. Listen, Shannon. <laughs> when she said at the end that she's close to telling her off, I felt that. 
was like, you threw the letter. Threw the letter. Through the letter, I felt that. Ooh. I bet when she typed that shit up yeah. to us, boy, she was like, I am going to tell her off. I'm going to tell her about it. Literally. Pounded the key to Pounded that shit. <laughs> Fucking ate her twice. You know what I mean? But all jokes aside, Shannon, this situation is a tough one, right? Because you try to show grace to someone, and this is something that me and Jay, we talk about this a lot, just in general life. Sometimes people take advantage of your kindness, right? And what do they do with kindness, man? People didn't think that you were punk. They think that you're weak. They think that you're goofy. I know I say goofy a lot on this, but Shannon, your boss think you're goofy. And you're not a goofy. <laughs> you peep the game. You see it when she on. She taking advantage of a good situation. My thing mm-hmm. is, yeah, so if she moved within walking distance of the office, well, then why are you giving her a rise to work? Um, secondly, they, they're taking the kid to school type of thing. They don't have buses? Literally. I mean, last I checked, when I was a shorty, I was on the school bus. But to Grand, you know what I'm saying? She, she put an end to that because my school bus driver, Jay, he used, to, he used to get drunk. And he'd be scummy. And, uh, at, at seven eight in the morning already, like he was on his morning. next shift. Right, he was seven a.m. He was on. It like it was like he probably was sat at the bar all night, and then fucking probably mm-hmm. took an hour nap. This hour, let me drive these kids to school. That is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about his his eyes used to be red than a motherfucker. I never forget that shit. And one time at Grand, she read him the riot act because he forgot to pick me up one time. And the next day. <laughs> She was out there. She was ready for his ass. But anyway, she already knew what it was, bro. She Grand already knew what it was, and, and from from there on, I was walking to school every day. But whatever. But my point is, Shannon, this woman needs to figure her own life out, right? I know that she's going through a divorce and all that, and you trying to have grace, you trying to be kind to her. But people like her, she trying to use some little victim shit to get people to do stuff for her. She's manipulating her trauma and her life to make your life harder than it needs to be. You ain't the one going through a divorce. You over here telling us about how you work a third shift and you have a, your own daughter that you got to see how she's going to get to or from school. If this lady got all this damn money, hire a driving service. I was literally thinking Uber and Lyft is here in 2020. I know parents utilize that to get their kids to and from school, if, if nothing else. So, yeah, you got the school bus, but we got technology now, too, where you can have a ride at the tip of your fingers. That's how they sell it. So her needing you is... That's a it's a fallacy. She does not need you, but it. Uh, I mean, Shannon. I don't. And this is you know a question for yourself. But the original offer to help out with her daughter it sounds nice, but it also sounds like it could be to your detriment. You're working the third shift. Um, I'm assuming you're tired after you work. You know, I don't. And like you said, you have your own kid, but I don't know where within your day you you would even have time to help somebody else out. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think. We should be kind to the point of sacrifice of, you know, our own personal needs, especially when they're not being considered over, you know, money toward gas. And I mean, your boss knows she knows everything about your what you're earning. She knows about your day. So it's it's a complete disregard to you. And I don't think that's fair to you. No. And. When as much as gas prices were for a minute, I don't know at Man. what point <laughs> you was out here doing all this driving around for her. But listen, you want to chip in. Shit, this gas. Something. Let's something. Just drive for free. Come on now. Literally. Literally. And I, I don't understand how people can move so freely 
over people's grace and not extend the olive branch of, you know, here goes a few dollars toward gas or offer, you know, can I do something to help you out as you're helping me out? I, I, right. don't, I don't understand that. And Jay, you know how I rock, man. Like, I will definitely always be the type of cat, man. I will take care of my people. <laughs> Nobody else will never know about it because that's just the way that I operate. But listen, don't mm-hmm. ever, don't ever take that. Take that kindness. Yeah, don't take no. that. Kindness, man. Don't bite the hand that's out here feeding you trying to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? I do that based off the way that I was raised, the way that we were raised, Jay, and our family. You know, we didn't have a lot coming up, man. But guess what? If I had a little something, the guys that I came up with, man, we broke bread together. They had something, That's too. All I know. Exactly. Yeah. What LA Capone say? It was me and bro. We was in the stove. And we both got <laughs> right. <laughs> I swear, it, that line is so funny because it really, if you, if you know, you know. Those that get it, get it. It'll yeah. never have to be understood. Yes, sir. But I just feel like with Shannon, that situation, I hope that you've gotten it resolved, but that's a quick conversation. You know, like, hey, I was trying to help you out in the short term. It's actually causing an inconvenience in my life. And I'm sorry, but I can't do this anymore, right? Now, no. I was going to say, but if your boss then tries to use this as a way to mess your job standing up in any type of way, come on now. <laughs> you know what HR. Right. HR. Quick. But you quick. You you hit the nail on the head, Prez. I, I you because Shannon says at the end, how can I tell her it's gotta stop without hurting her feelings? Number one, if that really is what you care about, then her feelings should not be more important than your feelings. But I think mm. you really kind of hinted more toward it, Prez, when you said if this is something that could affect your job, as it shouldn't, but that could be in the it back shouldn't. of your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but people petty, my bro. boss. I don't want to get fired. Yeah, wait, for sure. And, and and it's a position of power, which is why that yep. should have it should have never even been commingled that professional work relationship with personal needs and you know all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Shannon, you, your your job should be fine as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But don't uh, yeah, don't don't worry about that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And good luck with that situation because it sounds like a tough one, but <laughs> I think I might, you know, Jay, you've known me, you know, obviously, whatever. We go way, 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 way back, but it's easy for me to have these type of conversations with people because I'm just very, very matter of fact, as you guys know, you know, and I don't know. It's just no gray area for me. I'm just like, look, if this is what it is. <laughs> I can't do it. Sorry, but not sorry. That's it. <laughs> Because what you said, Jay, is like, look, when it becomes something that is a detriment, a detriment to my own self, no, sorry, done. You're a martyr at that point. And for who? Thank for you. What? And then now you walking around and you typed. And then now oh, you man. want everybody you, in that's the world what, to be looking at you like. It's affecting oh, you. Shannon. It's affecting you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. I ain't gonna be walking around here carrying nobody else's fucking cross. No, I, I got enough shit going on. You said it in the beginning. Shannon sees it. You see the play. You you're watching uh-huh. what's going on. If anything yeah. makes you a goofy, it's watching it and then not doing anything about it. And not doing a damn thing about it. That's right. And you sit up here watching this lady order and all this shit that you probably driving there and, and dropping this shit off. Are you, are you she picking the, the Amazon up. Come on now. Come on now, man. You know, you know she's over here making delivery drop-offs, all types of stuff. It's not just a little to and from school for the kid. Like, 
she's literally playing playing chauffeur is a very specific term, you oh, know. Oh, uh, oh. That shit crazy. That shit crazy. I'm just thinking about her too. At the end of this shift, you got all these boxes. You helping her take the shit to her damn house. It's crazy. It's too much. So oh, don't worry about her feelings. Worry about your own damn feelings. And hopefully your kids okay. And your kids not suffering because to the point you made, Jay. We gonna get on to the next topic. I worry about you because you work at third shift and you try to be president in your kid's life. And we know mm-hmm. this from just our family growing up, how the women in our family sacrificed a lot, mostly sleep, to make sure that a lot of us were, were good, right? But we also know that that comes with a price because you're not a present parent <laughs> when you work in two jobs and shit, your kids kind of fend it for yourself, right? You and I both were the kids in the family for our siblings and we had to take care of shit. We had to grow up a lot faster a lot sooner than maybe they did. You know what I mean? As the products of single mothers who were working those late shifts, Mm -hmm. like you said, and depending on how the job is set up, third shift is either the 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. or the 4 p.m. to midnight. So it's like, regardless of however your job looks at it, you are missing pivotal times in the home, you know, whether that's getting your kid ready for school or making sure they're good to go off to school the next day and, you know, get to bed or whatever. And then to still be there, to still be a presence, and then to have an extra load thrown onto your already crowded plate is not fair to you. And like I said, her feelings should not be more important than yours. No, sir. No, sir. So it's crazy. So we're getting ready to go from Shannon to Shannon because Tara Shannon Jr., you guys may or may not know, but this guy's one of the top college basketball players in the entire nation. He resides here in Chicago and plays for the University of Illinois. And so he was hit. Jay, as you know, with the rape charge back in December, Illinois made the decision at that time to suspend him through their DIA policies, right? I'm not going to get all into the the minutiae with you guys' audience, but just no ground level here. He was suspended, pending criminal case hovered above his head, tearing Shannon lawyers up. His lawyer filed an injunction to ask for him to be reinstated. That motion was basically granted. And Terrence Shannon not only returned to the court Sunday, Jay, but returned to a rousing standing ovation from the crowd. Now, thanks. Yeah. Now, from my standpoint, I kind of feel like with a rape charge covered over someone's head, I think everybody deserves due process. I think that I feel like you're innocent to proven guilty. But I thought that that standing ovation, bruh, I thought that was a little extra, man. I thought that uh, a lot of fans, you could have, you know, been, you know, pleasant towards the kid without the extra stuff. Because you got to realize there still is a criminal charge hovering over this kid's head. The Illini are also a top 10 arguable team in the nation. You know, it's it, it, it goes to something that I heard O'Hez talking about. You know what I'm saying? When I was growing up and the kind of the things that I see now, specifically in the NIL atmosphere that we're in as like athletes and what we're considering still amateur status athletes, but paid athletes are held to different standards and different sets of rules than what somebody might describe or, you know, justify as everyday people or the average Joe, especially when said athlete and we we could throw entertainers in you know because there's a there's a lot going on in the entertainment world around sexual assault misconduct 
rape. Yep. You know what I'm saying? The the overall umbrella-ness of stardom and being in positions of power and using those positions of power to take advantage of those who may look up to, may want something, all types of stuff. Um, and I say all this to say that the standing ovation by U of I fans is somewhat surprising, specifically in this. We live in such a sensitive world these days that I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, especially when it does come to sexual assault. I'm not saying that sexual assault has not always been a sensitive topic. I just think that um, it's been more focused or more of a focal point of like conversations and um, yeah, after the just B2 overall movement. opinions. Yeah, me too. Me too. Really started a whole um, snowball effect with that, and just overall with communication being so so much easier, we're able to, you know, talk to people from across the country, across the world, whatever, uh, a lot quicker pace. Um, Terrence Shannon should take that with a grain of salt because I guarantee every other arena across the country will not be greeting him the same way. And no, no, he knows that, it's coming. That he coming. It's going to start here in Evanston on Wednesday. It's coming. It's coming from every angle, though. It's going to be toward him, toward the entire organization, toward Underwood, because mm. the, the decision they're making to play him is a very, very bold decision. Because, as it you really said, is. there is really an open criminal case. Yep. There is an open criminal case against this man and it's so sad because as i was talking about like you know the 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 landscape we're in with public opinion and just where sexual assault is there from my opinion and i say this with sensitivity audience i do not say this to be um insensitive to anybody's circumstances to anybody's you know lived events the things that they have to go through in their everyday from their trauma so please do not take this as an insensitive comment but overall, I do think that from the information that I've been able to garner from the criminal case being Shannon was in Lawrence for the Illinois Jayhawk football game in September. He was in a college bar. And from the reports, there, even when you look up the actual um, case that's being brought against him, there's two different there's two different counts. There's one that is rape. And then there is one that is sexual assault. And right. from the stories that I, you know, that have been tossed around, it said that he grabbed the girl's butt. And that was kind of like the overall polarizing headline that we saw of, you know, what the rape case was. But then there's an another layer to it that says that, you know, he did insert his fingers into the girl's vagina and like fingered her in yep. the bar. In the bar. On floor. top of that, which you know what I'm saying, which is which is rape. That is rape for there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And so uh I guess depending on And if true, that's which, wild. Wild that's it, if true, that is why especially because from the girls' account, it it said that the bar was crowded. You know what I'm saying? And like Man. that is something that could happen real quick that nobody really saw. You know what I'm it, it, it yeah. it's it's a very it's a very delicate situation, a very, very delicate situation. So to see that I understood why Illinois handled it the way they did with the originals because that would literally go against the the student conduct policy that all college students have to 
you know what I'm saying, sign whenever they step foot on a college campus as a, as a student and just as a representation of the university as a whole and such a big face that he was. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know, Perez. I, I, like I said, I hope that number, I, I hope it sounds great. I hope that none of this is true. I really do for the sake I of Terrence Shannon, for the sake of the young woman, just from, you know, women in my life who are sexual assault survivors, they've mm. stated that it's something that you live with every day. There's not a day that goes by that you don't live with that event occurring to you, you know, and I, I, it sounds very traumatic and I would not wish that trauma on anyone. And I, I, I hope that the young woman wouldn't have to live with such trauma. Like they, they're, these are bold and very specific accusations. And um, it's something that probably won't be worked out, which is until the end of the season, you know, this injunction right. that he's, he he's going to be allowed to play for the rest of the year. So that's another thing as well, especially if Illinois plans, well, I know they plan on it, but if they make a deep run into March, which is what I'm sure a lot of this is circled. This is one of the better Illinois teams that we've seen in a long, even yeah. as we've seen good Illinois teams over the last few years, this is the best one that we've seen thus far. So it's yeah. like, hundred percent. I'm sure there are a lot of high hopes. The, the, the problem with this is, is that we're putting sports and basketball over, you know, humanity. Obviously with us being raised by women, right? We have a different, opinion about the way that this situation is even moving me covering the team it's been tough i'm not gonna lie to you bro because i sat up here and i sat through a press conference with the ad at illinois and a lot of the talk track that was going around was we didn't know and we didn't have the information and that our police department was trying to communicate with the kansas police department but the information was inconsistent. Well, through various FOIA requests that were submitted, we know that that may not be true. There's definitive information in there that states that the school knew as early as late September that a criminal case or a charge was forthcoming. They made the decision, Jay, to still allow him to play even up until that December time period. So to the point that you were making, we already know what Illinois is on. They realize that, hey, we got a chance here to make a run. We got an All-American, Big Ten player of the year type candidate here on this roster. We're going to ride this guy until the wheels fall off. And that's really what they're doing. But if you're Brad Underwood, that's a tough situation to be in, Jay, because now it's almost like, bruh, you're valuing wins and your legacy as a coach over potentially doing the right thing. That's tough. Yeah. People have jobs that they're worried about. And we know that if Illinois has a successful basketball season, it brings a lot of revenue to the university. It brings a lot of attention, you know, merchandise. Mm -hmm. You have school spirit up. And I'm sure there's probably something worked out within the Big Ten if, you know, Illinois is a representation of the Big Ten in the Final Four or, you know what I'm saying? There, there, there's all types of stipends and stuff that are worked into contracts that uh, it, it is, it's about sports, but it, it's overall about money and the university yep. stands to make a lot more money with Terrence, Sharon, with Terrence Shannon than without him. Without him. Um, 
and even his own personal situation in his letter that he wrote to the courts, he talked about how he's not only taking care of his mom, but he's taking care of his father too. And you talk about a 23, 23 year old kid, Jay, that's out here paying his parents' bills, paying their rent, paying mortgages. That's a lot of responsibility yeah. just being heaped on top of him. And that's the thing here in college, a lot of times these players, people are like, oh, these athletes, they shouldn't get paid anything. You don't understand people's situations of where they come from. And a lot of times the responsibility is heaped upon these athletes who are trying to do the right thing, trying to pay it forward from family members that basically are responsible probably for why they're in this spot in the first place. And I know that he was using his projected earnings that could be diminished by Correct. such a uh, to to speak on why he also should be able to be reenlisted um, in his suit. And like you said, you, we don't know the type of financial situations uh, people are coming from. It's it's crazy because if we are just looking at projected, you know, I'm, I'm Terrence Shannon isn't, in my opinion, he's not a lottery pick, but he's definitely a potential late first, early second rounder. You know what I'm saying? And with with his experience that he's been able to get with having five years of college basketball, he stands to come in making more of a impact for a team, which is what we've seen a lot in the NBA and um, the, the transition from college athletes over the last few years is that those that stand out are usually those that had, you know, three, four years under their belt. Um, so I, I, I don't wish anything that is, unjust to happen to him but i do hope that justice is served in whatever light that looks like for both parties i hope that um justice is served no and i and i 100 rock with that man for me it's just bigger than basketball it's been tough covering the team it's been tough like just being there. even yesterday's game right they beat Rutgers, and i was still just kind of conflicted with what i was saying right and i was like god man i, I never thought that i would cover something like this so closely you know, as a young journalist now, and it's just like, I don't know, you just never know what situation you're going to be thrust into. Last year in college basketball, you had the Brandon Miller saga with Alabama. He wasn't even charged, and that shit hung over the Alabama program throughout the whole tournament. Now you got this situation with Illinois where there is a criminal charge, and he still played. Alabama lost a pivotal player on their roster to that situation that happened where – Allegedly, I guess oh, Brandon the one, Miller the one that, brought the him one a that, gun. The one, the one that actually committed the crime with the gun. Yeah, 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 man. That's but Brandon nasty. Miller was the lottery, but he was the lottery pick. But the other guy, like you said, he was like a role player, pivotal guy off their bench. But Brandon Miller, that was yeah. the lottery pick. Imagine a top five NBA pick, and you out here bringing a firearm to somebody that's about to go do some work. That's just crazy. Moral of the story here, people make. Make better decisions. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Seriously. And also surround yourself by better people because if the people that you surround yourself with are going to sit here and allow you to make a move like that, then you ain't with the right cats. I promise you, Jay, you know this, the people that's around me, they know how I move and they know, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do to an extent. But if one of my guys that I actually respect and love if he come to me real quick and be like, "Hey man, for real, man, you, you been a little, you been a little reckless," I'm gonna listen to that. That's out of you love and that's out of respect. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like we all we should have somebody in our lives that that we can listen to in those moments. 
the the person that's said to have been with Terrence Shannon Jr. is a graduate assistant who right. was in charge of driving him from Champagne to Lawrence to Lawrence yeah. in the first. So like if you look at the the stage that's already he he is a hierarchical figure of the Illinois campus. You know what I'm saying? You you're right. getting you're getting a driver to go to another state for right. a, a football game and that same driver is just watching you in the bar. You know what I'm saying? Like it's right. What what's what standard and how are we able to cause I agree with you that you need those people in your lives to give you the checks and balance, but what kind of idealisms and like what kind of how how are we interacting with those that we consider to be high achievers in certain fields or certain aspects of life that make them feel as if they're human enough to hear the checks and balance from people in their lives. And I think that's um, something that is lost within some aspect of celebrity life as amateur as it could be, because it's as much of a star as Terrence Shannon is, he's a local star. We know about mm-hmm. him because of, He's a Chicago native. He goes to Illinois right now. You know what I'm saying? And he's doing so well. But even when this broke, it is national media, but I don't think everybody knew exactly who Terrence Shannon was, even as winning as Illinois has been this year. So, And it's sad because now that he's just known for this criminal case more than probably what he was doing on the court. Yeah. So Google. First thing, you, that's the first thing that pops up. Bro, yep. It's not the, the headlines that were going on a month before where he was basically moving up the draft boards and because there was one basically report that he was like number 15 on a lot of the draft boards and that's a testament he's definitely yeah at that time but i don't think now (laughs) but there was a a little while there that he put in work and moved himself up the up the draft boards and that's props to him right but at the same time to the point you were making jay we have to set aside our own personal advancement and just do the right thing. And in, in this case, right. we're not talking about somebody that was accused of stealing. We're not talking about somebody that did a hit and run. We're talking about sexual assault. And I think that there's a lot of people that listen to this show that, to your point, Jay, have been victims to crimes like that. And we don't want to make light of that. And I feel like what this is a message to those people, Jay, is that it's okay to do this type of stuff to women and that nothing's going to happen. Now, on the flip side of that is also how I feel sometimes about violence that happens against people of color. That almost is like people don't care because they're like, well, we want to get rid of you anyway. And I just really hate the standard that we are in this world where we can look at these situations continue to happen, continue to happen, continue to happen, and people just become numb to it. They just almost just like, they don't care. And I will never be the type of person that when I see somebody suffering or I see things happening to other people, that I'm going to just sit here and say, well, it is what it is. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. I hate that we've gotten to that society. Jules and I, we used to always talk on this show, Jay, that when we was coming up, you had a lot of the people in the neighborhood that were like Grant. They looked out after the people in the neighborhood. They knew who everybody was on that block. And you remember Grant? She was always looking out the window. She knew what the hell was going on. 
sitting in the window <laughs> all, all day. All day. Watching traffic go by. But literally, yep. you just peeping scene. Peeping what was yep. going on. Yep. Man, because when you say that, I, I literally now just feel like there's always a set of eyes on me. Because I know there's another grand on my block or somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Just, of course. Just watching. Just just seeing. Of course. And and I need, we need them. Especially during these times. Yeah. I, listen, bro. I I made it out unscathed and not getting into gangs and all that kind of stuff. And I talk about this all the time because of people like Grant and Miss Strong and Miss Johnny and all the, the 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 parents on that block that if you did some dumb shit, they were gonna tell Grant and they will tell my mom. I wanna try to deal with yeah. that smoke. But see the problem yeah, is literally. nowadays that we don't have, like you said earlier, those checks and balances. And we can get into this on another episode, but I just feel like with these situations, I just feel like there's so much of this world that's going unchecked. And it's just because there's nobody keeping people alive. Yeah. And, yeah. and as I a mean, young kid, like I had that. It's a, like you said, Brett, this that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into it. I got something to say. We'll sure. get into it. But hey, listen, Cal Williams, you and I have not had the chance to chop it up about this situation. I know audience, you guys are like, man, y'all was heavy on sports. Oh, no, we're about to get off of some sports. We're about to get into some entertainment. Cat Williams was scorched motherfucking earth, dude, on everything and everybody. I'm talking about, man, <laughs> Jay. He's probably still talking right <laughs> now. <laughs> but I wanted to get your thoughts on that whole thing because, bro, he said a lot. And then even in the moments where he didn't say anything, he still said a lot. He said so, a lot. When he didn't say it, he said everything, man. That's right. <laughs> so, man, what was your thoughts? Just high level, just thoughts on just that whole episode, that whole interview. Let me give you my 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 first thought. My first okay. thought was, wow, people really will tune into three hour content. Like I couldn't believe that that <laughs> interview was. Two hours and forty minutes, you know what I'm saying? And it really and it didn't I played feel it like from it. start to finish. It did not feel like it. I'm not I'm not a heavy consumer of media in that fashion where you know I'm I'm a I listen to the podcast that I like more for information, you know what I'm saying? Listen to pull back the curtains, but like nothing that I'm just always on a podcast or always on YouTube and I and it, it opened my eyes to the possibilities. That's that was my first thought, but into the actual, I guess, the meat and potatoes of what Cat Williams was saying, man. I don't know where to start or stop. Um, I think that he is a person when you look back traditionally. First off, if you know, you know, Cat Williams is one of the funniest motherfuckers on this planet. Now, I know that he gets, you know, he, he, he gets drugged through the media a lot. I remember... About five, six years ago, the biggest thing with Cat Williams was he was like he was fighting a middle schooler. I don't know if folks remember that. <laughs> like, remember. Right, right after he had like got arrested too. And like and that middle school was giving the work. It too. was like Cat, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? And then folks, you know, the, the headlines like, oh, he's on drugs. And so so when he was talking about that, that took me back to a time when people were making it sound like, you know, he was out of his mind. But yep. I, I wasn't getting that sense from the person that we were seeing, you know what I'm saying? In front, even when Shannon, first, Shannon Sharp is also 
a, a character. You know, he's not a he's not the most skilled interviewer that we've had. No, I feel like I, we could have got a lot more out of Cat if thank we you. had somebody that actually has some thoughtful questions. And uh, his questions, and, uh, but, but questions are awful, cuz. But Shannon's not slick. Shannon is not slick, man. What uh, it, it fucks me up, cuz I got this thing where you know signs and symbols. That's a it's a sure. big thing of mine because there are so many signs and symbols that we have in our world that we don't necessarily know what we're looking at and i don't know if shannon is dumb or if he just plays dumb i think that he he had cat in a state where cat had overall control of the conversation so like yep. there were some exaggerations that had it kind of hard for me to be like all right this dude is just telling a hundred percent you know what i'm saying the, the, the facts he's just laying it all out when he talked about <laughs> I think what did he say? He he read like hundred was it three thousand books? You know, you knew where I was going. The books, yeah. man. He read three thousand books a year, something crazy like that. I'm like yep. that was the thing too. Them, and, and I was like, come on, bro. They were all nonfiction too. He said, Yeah, yeah he, he, he made sure to let you know they were uh, nonfiction. <laughs> like, what the that, that's a lot. Um, but then when he was talking about <laughs> The stuff that like goes on in entertainment. First, I have I, I'm not a I'm not a Steve Harvey fan, cuz. And so no, you know you can't be in this family. If you know, you know. We know That's who right. the real one was out of this and out of that generation, who the real yeah. goat is. And we not um, be a biased because like, we're related to all, but if you know, you know. If you know, you know. It, it, but the the way the black community has kind of um circled around Steve Harvey as like this champion, it, it throws me off. First off, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like we since when is Steve Harvey this um accredited investing guru or this this pillar of black wealth? It it it's mind boggling like the stance how he he's been able to link with uh Earn Your Leisure. Shout out to the Earn Your Leisure podcast for what it used to be. Started off as yeah, the Earn Your Leisure trash, podcast. Man. They were it's not what it used to be, man. But they used to go around like traveling from city to city, just interviewing small business owners. And I remember this dude that I know, his name is Miles. Um, he had a clothing brand, and they came and did an interview with him. This is really early, early on, and when they were like more grassroots. Steve Harvey has frequented their platform often. You know what I'm saying? Talking about how to use financial avenues to create. And this is a man that's gone bankrupt a few times. You know what I'm saying? He's just right. he's a old he's just an old head that, and it, it fucks my head up. Because because what I've realized, you know, as you know, we've seen death in this family um, across multiple generations and, and mm -hmm. it spanned different lifetimes or whatever. So we we do understand how precious every day we're gifted is. But um, half the battle is just staying alive, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's staying alive mm -hmm. long enough to be able to run up your bankroll or get the momentum you needed to do the business or to, to start the whatever that you had going on because you know life life comes at us all fast and there are other responsibilities that we have but steve harvey's an old nigga in the game right now who who gets ran by gets ran by a bitch you know excuse my language audience i, I use bitch very um interchangeably i the men and women are both bitches i'm not saying that to be sexist at all but the way steve harvey gets oh my pimp by his wife it it breaks my heart as a young pimp in training, yeah, I don't cool. understand. No, a young pimp in training. Listen to this dude. Over as, here. as a young pimp in training, who, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And she, and she created the, 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 
the Thanos of them all that is Lori Harvey. Lori Harvey. Lori. Done. Yep. They, man, that girl is a gangster, if I've ever seen one. She done dated father and son. You know what I'm talking about? She done dated across all forms of different avenues of entertainment. Man, bro, done had dudes down bad. Shout out Michael B. Jordan. You know, brother, it's okay. You'll get over it. And him day. crying. Um, she had, he she still looks sad on the sidelines. Yeah, they, <laughs> they love flashing to him on the sidelines of the games, man. They they love showing his face like he not hurt, but they we know we know you hurt, bro. It's okay. He, he, we know he hurt, but we nah. know that look. He cleaned up that goatee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but nah, Steve Harvey is is a clown and a corn to me. So hearing Cat Williams call him out, uh, I I enjoyed it as entertainment, regardless of what is or isn't true, but. The, the aftermath of it, we didn't hear too many people say this ain't true. We didn't right. hear too many That's people right. say. I, I, I heard, now, what I did hear, I watched the, I forget who Philly was playing on that Friday, but Kevin Hart and the Red Cup boy. And he fake slightly addressed it because, uh, who was it? Andre Godala said something about it. And he was like, you know, fact check and Google and woo out the bam, but. Still ain't say that it wasn't true. He true. just said, I'm not going to touch that. And uh-huh. that's who I hear Kevin uh Cat Williams real beef is with is yeah, out of Kevin everybody. Hart. It's, it's with Kevin Hart. Out of everybody. Right. And and all of these dudes is just means to Kevin Hart. And for the rumors that are circulating about what it is Cat Williams has over Kevin Hart, um, I understand why Kevin Hart is treading lightly in what he does have Would to you? say now. Wouldn't you? Because he's basically said in that thing that there's people that have gone to him and given him information <laughs> that he's paid them for. He say, I pay for information, and it's That's known. Right. So if you see something, come and tell me. Talk to me. You know what I'm saying? And so you, and you can't live like that and have a whole bunch of skeletons in your closet. That's so right. like, that's why I don't feel like there were many lies told. I do feel like there were exaggerations. So. I do there think was. that there were. He said he ran a 4-4. You know I was kind of bullshit on that. Even though he ran Did one of the basketball arena. Yeah. Come he on fast now. as fuck. We know that. We know that. But you ain't no 4-4. Shannon called him and, out. And he's, he's, he's in great shape for his age. We saw him in Atlanta. You saw when he ran. Remember Willie? In that scene where he, uh, I don't know if you watched Atlanta, but there's a scene in, in Atlanta where he ran it. I ain't never seen no dude run that fast on TV in my life. <laughs> you talking about the episode with the alligator where he had yeah. the alligator in the crib? Yep. I do remember that. He did haul that. that and that Jet. episode is so good. That's such a good episode uh, of Atlanta. But yeah, now nah, we know Cat we know Williams came, and we know Cat Williams is funny. We know that. Yeah. Don't nobody really want to go. St- Toe to toe with Cat. I heard Cat Williams shut Steve Harvey down in Detroit at some comedy Ooh, battle. Like Year's literally Eve shut stuff. him, you know, and shut him off stage. He ain't stepped foot on the stage since. So it's yeah. like he he is coveted in their and that somebody said comedy like the comedy world is a very specific world. You know what I'm saying? Because like that's not movie stardom. That's not oh I was in this and they wrote my jokes. No, these are dudes that are. They 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 have a craft and they spend a lot of time and energy and effort curating their craft. And, but one thing I did see after the whole Cat Williams episode was stars just coming out talking about the selfless things that Cat Williams does, like giving away money that you wouldn't even know. I think who was the comedian? Was it uh what's his name? Last name Cole. I can't. It's the first name start with a D. Dion Cole. Cole. 
Yeah. yeah, he came and said he was doing stand-up one night. Somebody just came and gave him a thousand dollars. He was like, what the fuck? He looked for the woman that did it, couldn't find her. He was talking to somebody else about a, an experience that they had similar to that months later. And they were like, oh yeah, Cat Williams did that. And he was just able to put it together that Cat Williams did it because he saw him in the audience that night. But he still wouldn't have even known or, you know what I'm saying, had any contact with him to be like, you did this for me. Right. Um and that was when Dion was trying to come up in the, in the space. And, and they said Cat does that for, for comedians that he respects. He's always trying to put people off. comedians. Yeah. I heard Jacquees said that Cat Williams gave him money for his wardrobe budget because he was just a neighbor in oh, Atlanta. And he was like, you're not going to be He sounds like he just looks out. You remember how he said that he put all these people on his comedy bill with him when he go on tour? And he's like, he only has people that he feels like that are funnier than him. Yeah, and so I respect that because anybody that's rocking with him, you know, he rocks with them. He thinks that these people are on his status. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They it's respect, right? As opposed to, I think some comedians like Kevin Hart, I don't think they will put people that they think they're on their level because that's going to take away their shine. Yeah, see, not everybody's comfortable in their skin to do something like that. Even when you just say that, like the way he talks to the Red Cup boys and like. He'll diminish their jokes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that wasn't that. funny. Or, you know what I'm saying? That shit is weird because you are in that position, number one. Number two, them niggas be writing for you half the time. That's like right. your jokes aren't even always your jokes. So it's like, and they're supposed to be your homies. Like, I don't know, man. I don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not with that. That's, that's weird ass energy. But I will say this, man. For me, I love that interview. I love the fact that Kat just went scorched earth on Steve Harvey, the industry, because I just been so sick of just the way that we've allowed Hollywood to manipulate us. And I think that Cat Williams called bullshit on it. You remember Jay when, when Dave Chappelle, when he was going through that bullshit with Kyrie Central. And that man said, you know what? I'm not showing up to work. What happens after that? There's all this blackball of Dave Chappelle. People accusing him of being a crackhead. He goes off Crazy, into all types of shit. Yep. Now, same shit that you were mentioning, like what they did with Cat Williams. What they do in this Hollywood space, this is what we're gonna get into, is they have a tendency of blackballing us when we don't want to play ball the way that they want us to play ball. And what I say by that is Dave Chappelle didn't want to start wearing dresses and shit on that comedy central show. They wanted him to start doing that shit. Cat Williams, what he said about Ricky Smith. He said, what have you ever seen Ricky Smiley in a role where he wasn't wearing one? Nah, Same thing great. with Tyler Perry. The first Sunday. I didn't even know Ricky Smiley was the grandma in First Sunday. When he said First Sunday, I'm like, all right, who was wearing it? Oh, the, oh I do look like Ricky. I didn't yep. even realize that. And he crazy. put that in his and he put that in his contract. In his contract. That's crazy. Him and Tyler Perry, they they play they they play women the best. I believe everybody should play their best role. <laughs> yeah. That shit was hard. That was hard. <laughs> oh, he's funny. He's a funny dude, man. But let's like he's a he's he's led by God. And that was one he, thing that I could moves not that way. get. He yeah, moves that way. Look man. at look at what he's done with fostering all those kids. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he fostered all those kids. They don't talk kids, about that. You know what I'm saying? Giving things yeah. away. Dude, he's like only, Black Robin Hood. He really is. But that those are people that are usually silenced or or just accused of being a little off because mm-hmm. they don't follow the status quo. And that's why I said about Shannon Sharp, man. He thinks he's funny. We really we went Shannon to Shannon to Shannon. Yeah, we Shannon did. Shannon Sharp said something 
what did Cat Williams say? Cat Williams said basically that Jesus was poor and that he had no, you know, if Jesus could be poor, he could be poor without the band. And Shannon Sharp started like talking about all the things that you can buy. Oh, they didn't have those amenities in biblical times. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have the Rolls Royces. They didn't have the, ooh, as Cat Williams was talking about gold. Now, because as we know, gold is God's money. That's right. And there is nothing that can equivalent, like that can equal the value of, nothing is worth gold. Not anything on this earth. Gold is gold. You got the spot price of gold that is universal across wherever you go in the world. So to even compare the amenities of the things that we have that are, Overall, they're distractions because you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we all do like having luxurious, nice things. But when we go into like the things that we need, those things are usually added into need. But overall, they're not needed to live a successful life or a sustainable life or a life that makes those feel fulfilled inside. That's a dream that we've been sold. And we get sold that by people like Shannon Sharp. Now, because I'm not a big conspiracy guy I, you know what i'm saying i have my own beliefs or whatever but mm -hmm. but i was saying earlier about signs and symbols just to bring it full circle shannon sharp is from my understanding from what i've been told he's a freemason for those that don't mm -hmm. know the freemasons are a fraternal organization very private club the level of masonry ship that shannon sharp is, is or masonry that shannon sharp has reached is that of a portier now, a portier is similar to what you would think of as a porter, because, you know, we come from the porters. A porter on a train is somebody that lets you on and off. Portier is a gatekeeper. And as, if those that know the name of Shannon Sharp's cognac that they were drinking on the show is Le Portier. And if you look at the shape of the bottle, of the portier bottle that Shannon Sharp has, it's the exact same symbol of the Freemasonry, um, I'm not sure, crest. And when I talk about the 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 gatekeepership, you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's false messages like that when somebody like Cat Williams is speaking about the importance of gold and then we're distracted to think about, oh, but that couldn't buy you that Rolls Royce. And I don't feel like things like that are accidental because now that could be a reach. That could be somewhat of a conspiracy, but the things that I, I just talked about really aren't. If you go audience and look up what the Mason um, symbol crest looks like, and then if you go and look at the shape of the bottle, you will see how symbolic and how identical they are. The level that he is a masonry, you can't necessarily Google. It's very private information, but Correct. I do think that paying attention to things like that when people are saying things like that is important because those are well, what DJ Khaled said, they don't want us to win. They don't want us to think about the importance of going to buy gold instead of buying that new watch or buying that new car or buying that new house or whatever the case may be. But I think Cat Williams was drawing real symbolism to like things that those who lead the life that he's leading, which as I said, seems to be more godly and more biblical. Righteous. Um, mm -hmm. More righteous, exactly. Hold to, hold to importance. And as, as we go and veer off into talking about the Hollywood, um, the things that Hollywood projects onto us. I think that's just important to keep in mind. And they, there are certain things that Hollywood wants us to consume or wants us to um, view certain things as like, I think the most 
according to Rolling Stone, the number one hip-hop song by 2023 was uh, Ski by Sexy Red. Mm-hmm. And that says enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? says all it needs to say. I feel like, dude, you 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 spit really you you said a lot on that on that segment, and I want to just like park it at the gatekeeper part just for a second, artist, before we wrap up the show with our last segment. The gatekeeper piece, Jay, I thought was probably the most profound part of like that whole discussion between Cat and Shannon. Did you notice how uncomfortable at times Shannon was in that discussion? And so it yes. kind of shows you what you're saying. There's truth to that. There's truth to what Kat was saying, that there are gatekeepers in this industry. Steve Harvey's a gatekeeper. Kevin Hart's a gatekeeper. He talked about the situation that happened with Ludacris, and what Ludacris do? Get he came and made a rap. <laughs> like, what are we doing, bro? <laughs> hey, 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 man. <laughs> he said we were in an Illuminati meeting together. And this man came in <laughs> our rap. Oh, man. Oh, man. But to that point, yeah, though, no. like we were talking about with the gatekeepers, they do their jobs well. And before, gatekeepers were outside of our community. Now they got it where we have people in our own community that are trying to keep us out. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting that at certain times, Shannon almost, and it says you talked about his interviewing skills. I thought what, what I took away from it was, Shannon was scared up there because he was scared of what the hell is this man going to say next? Who else is he going to expose? What other truths is he going to put out there? And the reason why I loved Cat Williams in that moment is because he was sick of the bullshit. And we need more people like him that's willing to speak out about these things because these people do need to be exposed. We got to stop protecting these people. These people, they want to sit here and tell me Cat Williams is bad for the culture because he sat up here, he aired our dirty laundry. And I'm like, but the people that's gatekeeping, the people that are not allowing us to succeed and win, they're not bad for the culture. See, we got to really look at ourselves in the mirror and not sit here and let our oppressors influence our way of thinking. See, we know what's right for us. But a lot of times we get those tendencies in our head that we want to start attacking each other. That's the problem that I have. If I have a problem with Jay, if I have a problem with Jules, if I have a problem with whoever in this world, I'm picking up a phone and we're going to talk about it. I'm never going to air out my own kind. I don't do, I don't believe in that. Now, if, we, if we're going to expose lies that are going on in the world, I'm good with that. My only issue with Kat in that moment is if you got an issue with, with Steve, you got an issue with Kevin, have a discussion. That's all. That's the only problem that I had. But as far as the things that he said, and he's basically letting us know, no, in Hollywood, they have these sick practices and they're trying to basically put this stuff out here. Hey, I'm good with that. Put that out there. But if you got personal beefs and grievances with cats, and I would love for us to just like (laughs) handle that shit behind closed doors. That's just my personal opinion on that part. But everything else he did in that interview, I 100% had no issues with. And I thought the Shannon Sharp interview skills are not good for somebody that has that type of platform. He's got a responsibility to understand how to fucking interview someone. To not sit up here and need cards in front of you to know what the hell you're talking about. This is Cat fucking Williams. What the hell you need cards in front of you for? Come on, man. 
That's disrespectful. If you're a professional, you don't need that shit. Do your research, have a conversation, end of story. Because the questions that he was asking, Jay, a lot of them took Cat away from his train of thought. And to the point that you made earlier, you never know where that interview would have went if Shannon would have allowed it to go where it was going to go. Man, That's the part I don't see. They it, you two might have taken it down. It might have been something that they didn't <laughs> honestly. Because you, you, know, you but, said something, Chris, that I want to touch up? on when you yeah. said that if you have the grievances, handle them behind closed doors. The way he was talking, it don't sound like it's much of a discussion left to be had. It it sounds to the boiling point of fighting. And the way that I I know there's this old video that surfaced when the video got really popular when Cat Williams challenged Kevin Hart to a comedy battle, like and yep. which is in their world, that's their spar. That's how they fight. And so I don't know. I I I do agree that problems should be handled behind closed doors if that option is available or able to be seen but if it moves past that then what how how do we handle it after there's nothing left to really say and i still have a problem no, you know what now that's a fair point but i was just saying from the just the, the naked eye right because we don't know that the inner workings of what's already kind of transpired but i will say we know enough in this family to know that steve harvey did try to go around bernie to get some of the roles from him we do know that he was jealous of Bernie, right? These are things that Kat talked about in that in that interview that are true. We know this. My mom has told me a lot of stories that Bernie shared with her about the way Steve Harvey moved, the way he moved on the Kings of Comedy tour, how Steve stole people's jokes. Bernie talked about how they stole his jokes. He talked about how they didn't want him to go last. They wanted him to go first. How you going to have the, the, the best person go first? Who the hell's going to end that damn show, that tour? Come on now. Steve, you would at least funny out of all of them. If we're being honest. And that's saying a lot because DL ain't all that damn funny either. But I don't know, man. DL be having his moments to me. DL can be funny. DL can be funny. He has I don't tendencies. Know. He had tendencies. He did that corny ass show, and that's what ruined it for me with him. That show was so you corny. Least... Yeah. It's better See, that's than a problem. Cedric ever did. You know what? But better he was funny you... as hell on the Kings, but his shows be corny too, though. That's basically jokes. Though. Yeah, that spaceship joke that we all thought was the funniest shit ever, and that was Cat's joke. And you saw how he was all tongue-tied when, when they asked him about it. He was just like, oh, yeah, you before he tried to call me out about stealing that joke, and he goes about talking about the timeline to hear the joke. And I'm like, bro, you just lied on yourself. <laughs> you just Man. basically said you stole the joke. <laughs> this truth will always come to the light. It always will. So, Jer, let's get to this final segment, man. So, we are now at the at the cornerstone of this first episode with Jay, and I, brother, this episode's been dope, man. We kind of have hit this thing from all sides of the field. I feel like, man, you'll come on here, man, you're giving the audience some gems, and I look forward to even more of this going forward. But with the whole situation that we talked about with Cat Williams, you talked about the Freemasons, we talked about Shannon Sharp, we talked about the gatekeepers. Let's talk about Hollywood. Now, we've seen, in the, like, you just look at the past history of Hollywood. And they've been very quick. Well, Flip Wilson, right, for instance, put him in a dress. Andy Murphy, put him in a dress. Arsenio Hall, put him in a dress. 
my question to you is, why do you think that Hollywood thinks that's something that we should be doing to, to black men? Do you think this intentional? Do you think it's a way for them to try to, you know, make us look? And I'm not saying this to say that women are weak or anything like that, but why is it that you think that Hollywood will want to put a man in a dress to pretend that he's a woman? Because that shit ain't funny to me. It's tough, right? Because I look at it from the perspective of the black man. I also look at it from the perspective of Hollywood doesn't only do it to black men. They they put white men in dresses as well. So I don't know what the obsession with emasculation of the man is specifically, but from the black male perspective, I I think that it sounds very hard cut when I say it like this, but it's no different than an overseer fucking a slave's wife. It's it's a way of asserting power. Fuck it. And and you don't have to you don't have to fuck somebody to fuck them over. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not a um I don't even know if it's a sexual thing necessarily. I, I really do think that people in certain positions they try to see how far their power will go how far they can push it and what the next person is willing to do to get what it is that you know what i'm saying that person is searching or seeking for whether that's money or fame or notoriety or power in and of itself i i do think that it it goes deeper than what the surface level is but a lot of the roles where we we put men in dresses were white chicks and big mama's house you know what i'm saying they were blockbusters they sold we laughed at it tyler perry's built a whole media conglomerate yeah. off of the medea character which is nothing but him in a dress and, and we, stereotypical that's his target demographic it's stereotypical yeah. images of a black woman as a gun-toting grandma. That's Not even just like a black, a, a, a southern black woman in her house coat mm-hmm. with her framed glasses. Who we, our great grandmother wore the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Who was always at the house? Who was the maternal madeer, the matriarch of the family? Um, he hits on a lot of black tropes and a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, uh, stereotypical stigmas that are in our community, but uh, uh, some truisms as well. You know what I'm saying? That a lot of the stuff he does is exaggerated. Him wearing the dress and knowing that it's a man is exaggerated. Number one, you can't be the matriarch as a man, but um, But he looked real comfortable in that dress, though. You heard Cat. He plays it well. Mm-hmm. He, he The man, he does a good job in that. And, and We've put money in his pocket, so right. He's billionaire now. Somebody, somebody likes it. Somebody thinks it's funny. But, but that's why I posed that question to you because I'm like, he's laughing all the way to the bank off of this stuff. And my thing is, for mm-hmm. me, I, I don't want anybody listening to this to say, "Oh, uh, well, Prez, you're toxic. Prez, you got to look at it differently." No, because I'm gonna tell you one thing: if I was an up and coming actor, and you're gonna give me a role where you want me to play anything other than a male role, I'm not doing it. And I know some people may say, well, you'll never get ahead in, in that space by refusing roles. Well, I guess, and that's just what it'll be. But I think when you have Martin, when you have Jamie Foxx, these are talented cats, Jay. 
Why are we reducing these cats? Jamie Foxx has won Grammys for music. Brilliant actor. You, you mean to tell me the only way he can be funny is by dressing up as Wanda? You think Martin needed to be Shanae to be funny? Martin was, he had 50,000 characters on that show. Why do we have to have one with him being a female? See, that's the problem with, that I want to just pose that question to you. Why is it that we do that? Now, I know you had Miss Doubtfire for Robin Williams and all that kind of stuff, but it is very rare that they do that to them, and it's more so that they do it for us. And that's why I wanted to have that discussion of like, why? Why is that? Are we a threat? And so you make us not a threat by putting a dress on us? That's why I'm just curious. Why? I, I don't know, man. I don't. I, well, why are male actors so willing to jump into the dress to be the star of a film? It's the same. You know what I'm saying? I, and see, I do think souls. They, what are you willing to give up? I, I think there is something into it about the power of black men, but I don't know because I, you know, as somebody that did consume that content, I did not see those men as any less of a man after they did their, their roles or whatever the case may be. It, it did it. Now, as somebody that's an adult now, I do realize that it's something that I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to go jump into to address or to be honest, I'm not willing to play a character that doesn't follow my own sexual spectrum. I, I remember that mm-hmm. was a big thing on the, the show The Shy. They had an actor yep. who was from Chicago and they his character was supposed to, I think, have a trans love affair or something. Exactly. And he was Come like, no, part. I'm not doing it. And they yeah, and they wrote him off. Yep. And then and then shifted the love character to his brother who they just brought out of some estranged Kanky City, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, type shit. Yeah, man. So they, they so, do okay, it very so sneakily as well. To the point you made. Now, a second ago, you said that you consumed the content. It didn't really change your, your perspective, which I understand. I agree with that part. But now in the next instance, though, you talk about the shy and how that show started to move to a lot of those tropes, right? They tried to push mm-hmm. these narratives in front of us, right? So we're seeing these things. These aren't things that people are making up. These aren't things that people are imagining. These are things that are happening. And there seems to be some sort of incentive for these shows to put this stuff in here. Because the, the ranch character that you're talking about from the shot, he was ruthless. Uh-huh. Why would you take a character like that who had respect, who was running 63rd Street, and then make him someone that's in love with a trans person? Not trying to say that, in my opinion, there's anything wrong with that. But we're going to take somebody ruthless and turn him into that? It didn't even fit. So I'm asking you, why is it, though, do you think that these things happen? Why do you think that this stuff is written in? You asked me, you, you basically admitted that you wouldn't do it, right? I wouldn't do it. But why is it that I wouldn't you do think it, that, no. But why do you think that it's something that they think that people want to see? Why do they think that these type of things are images that audiences want? A strong character. It's we uh we put we that's what I was my whole point of saying like Medea and when you talked about Jamie Foxx and uh Martin or Shanae uh Big Mama's house, whatever, is that we we continue to consume it so like i didn't i did not watch the shy when there was a trans character introduced and they started right, you know, I still it didn't it. stop me from watching but I, and I, I i just i as somebody that is watching for more of a 
what's the reasoning? I do understand that there's a whole agenda being pushed. Specifically, a lot of things are public opinion notarized. So, like, it's with the 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 sweeping generalization of the social media opinion or, you know what I'm saying, whatever that will be, being the leading force to the things that they're creating for us to consume. But I, we, we've gotten into this world and I know we got to wrap up. So we, we, we're in this world now where public opinion is more so the, the, what, what I think the perception of what things should be is rather than how people truly see things or what they truly believe. I don't think people are really getting a chance to share their truth or not not the chance i don't think people are taking the chance to share their true thoughts on certain situations and circumstances um because we're not the only ones that see it prez you know what i'm saying we're it's mm -hmm. not we're not special in that people see what's going on they just they decide to focus and i i do think that there is something to the emasculation of the black man and so like why are men just being emasculated in general it's just my overall theme and that is, I don't know, I, men are, uh, we're, we are allowing ourselves to be emasculated because we are accepting the things that are being thrust upon us as being what a man would do or what a man should do by motherfuckers that aren't men. That And, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, people are, not people, men are responsible for the way that we respond to the things that women say that they want, you know what I'm saying? And I know a lot of men be folding for whatever it is a woman tells them. So it's like to not think of something or to have somebody put onto you what their idea is of what you should be. And then you go and are actually personifying those ideas. I think that that is its own emasculation. So as much as I put it on like the things that we're consuming and stuff, I think that we as men have a part to play in the the un of what they're calling the they they keep trying to say that they're um breaking down patriarchy and i'm i don't associate masculinity to patriarchy but yeah, I think two there is a, yeah two different things but i think there's a general misconception of bridging the two together and i don't know i think men gotta stand up man like stand on your shit it is what it is you know what i'm saying you have your own opinions you have your own rights and like you have your own thing. Cat Williams said, I was I was not going to give up certain things in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Like, that just wasn't a thing. And it didn't matter how much money you offer me. It didn't matter what type of stardom you offer me. I just wasn't doing certain things. And that's standing for something. And I just don't think that people are standing for much of anything anymore. Attention's a hell of a drug. Social media and stuff ran that up. And people are cutting big checks to, you know, carry out their own agendas. And people got their own self-serving, you know, needs or whatever that they're uh, servicing. It just like, just my little final thought on this whole thing. I mean, man, we, we could probably go a whole nother hour just on this whole thing. And then my thing is that's why I'm going to really love these discussions with you because, man, you're going to give the audience food for thought. You're going to give me some food for thought. And, and I, I love that, right? I love being challenged. I love being on the platform with someone that I think has a lot to say about a lot of things, right? That's very important. <laughs> I would say just to, to sum everything up, there's a lot of things that we're seeing in our inner cities right now. And while I don't put masculinity with what it means to be 
a provider and a man and all those things and what that means, like in the same bucket, I will say, I do think that there are people in this society that don't want the black man to, to hold up as that power structure to be seen as being a king. I mean, there's so many examples that we see of that. And to the point that you made, Jay, I think it's on us to, to rise up, to stand up, but also to stand on your principles, to stand on business, as they say, right? You can't just be out here just chasing every bag that comes your way, right? I always say that all money ain't good money. And sometimes, man, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. And I feel like there's a lot of people right now in this world, Jay, a lot of black men, some white men or whatever the case there. They can't look at themselves in the mirror because how can you? You can't respect yourself when you can be bought. That's the thing for me. I'm free. I've walked away from many lucrative jobs, opportunities, because at the end of the day, man, I stand on principle. You know, I'm a man of principle. And I think a lot of us, we need to have more faith and confidence in who we are as men, as people in this world. My basic, you know, just understanding of this whole situation with Cat Williams and learning a lot more about him, Jay, that I never knew outside of the jokes and Money Mike and all that stuff was that this brother is super conscious, super smart. And the people that are out here making fun of him, you guys need to kind of sit back and maybe read a book or two. Because the things that this man was talking about are things that you guys can't even fathom the way that this world works. Now, Jay, you said something that you said that you think that a lot of people know about the things that we're talking about. This isn't new. Maybe so. But they're not talking about it. And we are. Going to hit him with that curtain call, bro. This curtain call goes out to Quinlan Blackwell of Chicago. Blackwell is the founder of Southside Blooms and has a passion for empowering young people in the community to learn the skills they need to succeed in life. Southside Blooms is an organization that creates sustainable, off-grid, urban flower farms and trains young local youth to cultivate them and deliver the flowers within the Chicagoland area. Blackwell in the process is providing not only job, but life skills to young people in high-risk areas on the south and west sides of the city and is showing them how to use their talents to have a positive impacts on their community. Shout out to you, Quillen. That's a great, great skill to be teaching people, not only how to grow, but then to put it in the market and sell the flowers that they are growing. So, you know, we need more people like you in our communities, and we really appreciate the work that you do. Yes. Audience, as always, we appreciate your continued support of the platform. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pull Them Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening.